Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. Baby, don't you want to go? of Bears Nation podcast, but you already knew that because you turned this on. Jake Hassan joined by Chris Nano and Kevin Lapka once again. And you know what? This one's not going to be fun, boys, but we got to talk about it. This is what we're here for. It's what we signed up for. Bears lose an ugly, ugly game in LA, 17-7, to a game you had every opportunity to win, a game that seemingly was gifted to you over and over again. And you just couldn't take advantage. Some weirdness that we'll get into at the end of the game um, that we are obviously going to talk about because it seems like all of football across the nation is talking about that. So we'll get into it. But guys, how are we feeling? Where's the morale out? Is everyone okay? Do I need to come over? Uh, we're, we're, we're doing all right. We're surviving. Obviously not a great feeling. It is Tuesday now, so it's simmered down a little bit. Starting to accept the fact that uh, the 2019 season is over for the Chicago Bears. But, you know, at this point, I'm just, I guess I'm just looking forward to 2020 and, and what next year has to bring. But certainly not a great feeling for Bears fans, but we're going to dissect it all and, and give you guys all the information you need to know going forward. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd, I'd, like a, I'd like a huge family hug. Um, that, that's cool. Um, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it, it was pretty bad. Uh, I think, I think we're at the point where, like Kevin said, we've, we've all accepted it, um, where this team is at. Um, and yeah, I mean, just looking forward to, um, seeing how the team reacts to it and kind of just playing for pride, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about it yesterday and I was thinking, all right, what do you really play for the rest of the year? And the only conclusion that I could really get to was, I guess you're playing for a worse strength of schedule next year at this point. <laughs> I, I guess maybe you, you tank yeah. for that. You, you tank for a, a worse schedule next year, but it's not a good feeling all around. It's tough because at this time last year, uh, the Bears had just beat the Vikings. Everyone was feeling good. It was the Bears' first real test of 2018-19, and now a year later and you're already out of the playoff picture. So it's tough to digest. I think we're all feeling the same things, but should we just go right into Mitch Trubisky boys? Yeah, I think we have to. I mean, it's too relevant not to. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, we give the people what they want right into it. Mitch Trubisky gets benched seemingly at the end of the game. Uh, stories aren't straight. And the post games, everyone's saying something else. Uh, Nagy and Trubisky both say it's an injury. They're both saying it happened at different times, though. Some people are saying Trubisky's walking with a limp. Other people are saying maybe not so much. Um, here we are on Tuesday now, and they've diagnosed it with a hit pointer, saying that it was just getting tighter and tighter. And the official explanation is Mitch Trubisky was out with a hip injury, uh, not getting benched. But before I let you go, Kevin, I got to say, it seemed like a guy who was benched and not hurt, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, and that's the unfortunate thing is the news was so late. So everyone who's watching the Sunday Night Football broadcast, obviously, you got Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels talking about Pandora's box being open because no one had any idea for at least, I would say, five to ten minutes that Mitch Trubisky was even out uh, or, or questionable with a hip injury. Um, and then the post-game press conference, man, if you just watch Mitch Trubisky and what he had to say, the demeanor of that, I mean, it just seemed like a like more of a benching than a decision uh, because of an injury. Again, we, we've seen all these tweets and all these stories, and, and the timing does not align. Uh, if you put it all together, the timing does not align. Going back and watching the tape, I saw a few videos on Twitter. He, do, he did look at times like he was playing 
uh, with kind of some stiffness or whatever in that hip. He didn't look completely mobile. But the thing for me is this is a guy who was hungry and repeatedly said that he wanted to stay in the game and believed he could have stayed in the game. And at that point, you really have no, uh, there's no reason for him to take him out. You know, I don't think that's one of those things where you're risking some type of severe injury. And of course, you know what's going to happen when you put in Chase Daniel. Whether, whether, No matter whether you know how fast the communication is, you know the instant reaction to that move in that situation on national television. Everyone's going to make that assumption that it was a benching, and now it's caused all this controversy. So it's just it's just a bad decision, and, and we're waiting really to find out the validity of it, the validity of it all. But it, it seems super sketchy. I know Chris feels the same. I absolutely do not believe that um, that was the reason for his benching. Um, I think um, you know the the biggest thing for me. I, I tweeted it out yesterday. Is you know I I I really feel like them calling it an injury is a spit in the face to the to all the fans. Um, because you know, he Matt Nagy has preached this whole team culture stuff. Um, and then, you know, once, you know, the heat was in the kitchen, you know, kind of it, it feels like he's he's throwing Mitch under the bus. Um, and I, I really that really ticked me off. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Um, you know, it, it's everything you've been preaching, you know, all season long, you know, since the beginning of last season, honestly. Um, and then, you know, it, it, throwing your your quarterback under the bus, I, I, I just, it it ticked me off. I, I'm, it, it's just something that I, you know, I, I couldn't really put into words. I was in shock. I, I, I was sitting there watching, you know, Mitch on the sidelines. I was just, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't have any words. Um, you know, it's like you, you, you preach all that and then, and then, I mean, you, you're the head coach. You're the one that's supposed to take the blame for that. I mean, you've made all these decisions leading up to this point. Um, and then you, you pull him in a game where it was not even close to being his fault. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous in my opinion. I, I, you know, I'm not pounding the table for, for Matt Nagy to get fired, um, but, but I, you, there would be no tears in my eyes if it happened, honestly. On, um, on that point, I mean, I, I think I do agree uh, somewhat, it was so weird. Um, I, I definitely agree with you that it was a weird timing and it looked super weird because I was in the same boat. My jaw dropped when I saw Chase Daniel in there. Like yeah. my, my, I was watching it with my roommates and my mouth just fell open. And, you know, I, I live with uh, six other guys and we're all sitting there and they're looking at me and they're like, what? And I go, Chase Daniel's in the game right now. And everybody looks and we all notice the same thing then and my mind is racing like I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to say on this podcast what I'm going to say on a different show like I'm trying to figure out all these different things and I just can't get it straight I will say Chris to your point I do think it is an injury um, but on the other side of that I think it absolutely is not helpful to have Bench Trubisky in that situation and he and I think that's why he had the demeanor of a guy being benched because he just looked so sad, so defeated, and we all know mentality is a huge thing with him, and I just don't feel like he can come back from this. It, it just seems like he's defeated at this point. Yeah, I mean, th- th- it's almost, it seems like the final blow. But, you know, the thing is, is you, you look and you think about the game, right? And you think, okay, even with a hit pointer injury, which is just kind of like a nagging stiffness type injury, he was maybe restricted a little bit, but it really didn't prevent him from making the plays he needed to make. And he kept talking about how he was using all arm and whatnot. And I feel like that was kind of him trying to defend Matt Nagy in the press conference or whatever, because you don't want to go out there and betray your head coach. But, you know, to me, like that game, sure. It, well, I think it was like a two and a half minutes left, something like that. Two and a half, three minutes left in the game. You're down 10 points. Don't get me wrong. It's about a one, two percent chance you win that football game. But, you know, you still could go down the field, get a field goal maybe call your three timeouts, get the ball back and throw a Hail Mary. I mean, you know, that's that's one thing where it's like you just gave up on that game. And again, it's a very, very small, extremely rare possibility that they would have come out of there even with the chance to go to overtime. But, I mean, you just give up. And on national television, you've got the whole world watching. And for a guy who showed that even with this nagging injury, he could still be productive enough, it's it's just really frustrating and confusing. And it just makes you think, what is what is going through Matt Nagy's head right now? He has to know. He has to know what's going to happen to Mitch Trubisky's confidence and, quite frankly, the trajectory of his career. Because now, no matter what you, no matter how you put together the pieces about the injury or not, you know that there's at least 50% of the people who believe, like Chris, that it's, it's a total fluke and it's a total fake and it's a cover-up. So now... 
now they have to deal with that. And, you know, I, I truly, even if it is this this injury, I think this is Mitchell Trubisky. Based off what he said in the press conference, he could have played through it even for that final two and a half minutes, even to just run the ball out for the rest of the uh, the time to uh, avoid any type of uh, controversy. So it's just confusing to me. Uh, but it, it does seem like it's, it is it is a serious, serious blow to Mitchell Trubisky's confidence, which we know is also important. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me was, you know, Mitch Trubisky these last couple of games has looked decent, in my opinion. I, I, I mean, yes, I, 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 I'm just speechless because of how many people were were trashing him uh, after that game. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we've all established what Mitch Trubisky is as a quarterback. He, he's most likely never going to live up to, to where he was drafted. I think that's been established. But I mean, like. This, I mean, this is the game where you, where you like, you draw the line. Like, are, are you kidding me? It, it's just, I, I don't get it. Um, I think it was just ridiculous by Matt Nagy. Um, I think, you know, I, I think he sold him out. I, I truly do believe that. I think he's, he's, you know, saving his own ass. Um, excuse my language, but I, it's just, man, I, I I'm, I'm almost speechless on, on this topic. Honestly, I, I don't know what more there is to say. Um, and I, I, I do not care what anyone says. Uh, I, I'll, you know, I'll ride for Trubisky after that, after what just happened, because, um, you know, he, I, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit, but, you know, the receivers in that oh game were just, oh, like, it's just, it, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. So that was actually going to be the next point that I moved to, Chris, because I do think Mitch Trubisky will be closer to average um, over the rest of his career, whether that's in Chicago or somewhere else. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be the reason you win a championship. Yeah. Um, but he didn't get any help. And that he didn't get any help from a couple facets of the offense. But we can start with the receivers. A couple bad drops, um, a, a couple Papa. bad penalties. I mean, Taylor Gabriel had a couple that were really bad. Allen Robinson, for every as good as Allen Robinson is, there were a couple questionable plays by him. And I, I know we'll get to him, but Anthony Miller has been a bust this year. Does We were all excited when he was drafted specifically, but he has not lived up to his second-round grade either. But the one specific play that I want to point out is it was, a, I believe it was like a third and eight or something. It was another third and long, shocking, I know. But it was a route that if you look at it, Miller and Gabriel both quit on Trubisky. Yes. Like they, yes. they stop running yep. and yep. they, and once it's too late, they start running again and come back. And Allen Robinson is the only one trying to help him out, but he's too well covered that nothing happens. And I think it was the play that Trubisky allegedly got the injury on. So that makes you think a lot because, all right, is it now Trubisky is being set up to fail now? Because if, I get it if he's lost some of the faith that some of his receivers and other players had in him, but you can't just quit on a guy like that. No. No, and this is for anyone who's played sports, football, basketball, you know, the all-time rule is you play through the whistle. Play through the whistle. It's as simple as that. And those guys, once they saw Mitchell Trubisky get, get out of the pocket and they finished basically their simple route they were supposed to run, they just stopped. And that does – I mean, that's those are the kind of plays where big plays are made. When your quarterback is able to extend, the receiver can run around, the def, uh, the defense you know breaks coverage, and then you get a big play out of it. And for those guys to just quit, it's extremely frustrating, especially for guys who haven't been making the plays all year. I mean, we talk about Anthony Miller. I mean, sure, the throw to him with the interception, it was a tough throw, but it hit your hands. You got you got to at least prevent it from getting intercepted, and then you come out and you and you you know try to talk smack after committing a penalty and and, and causing interception. It's it's just wild to me, and and it, it's so unfortunate because every time that Mitch Trubisky has a good performance, he doesn't get any help from his receivers. So it's just this terrible mix. Um, but you know, it, again, this game is not. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky's fault. He was playing one of his best games, and you know the completion percentage isn't great. But you know you have third and eight opportunities, and you throw a beautiful slant route to Allen Robinson. It goes right off his chest. I mean, what do you want the guy to do? And these are all these things that play into the whole scrutiny. But I mean, the receiving core. You know, we came into the year thinking this was a strength of the team, and we thought, okay, this is great. We've got all this depth. We've got all these weapons. Different kind of uh, talent at each at each level. Well, you know, it's it's now a position group that has to be reevaluated, in, in my opinion, and we can get in more into that. But I want to know what Chris has to say about it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy that that play specifically where they gave up. I mean, Taylor Gabriel, 
I, I when I when I think of you know Mitch Trubisky being defended, I always think of Taylor Gabriel because he's always outspoken about it, saying we have his back, this and that, and you know that they clearly did not have his back after what I saw. So um, I mean I don't know if they're BSing when they're talking to the media, but that that was ridiculous. Um, Anthony Miller, um, where do I even begin? It's you know, I, I defended this guy over and over all season. I've been, you know, looking damn near foolish trying to defend this guy. Um, and, you know, it, it's he, he, he's dropping passes left and right. Um, you know, you, you caused you you're the reason the interception even happened. Um, you're walking back to the sidelines and you're talking crap. It's like, I mean, at that point, it, 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 I think it, that that's the point that tipped me over. And I'm, I'm not going to defend him anymore. Um, same thing with him. If he's on the roster next year, cool. If not, cool. Like, it, it, I, in my opinion, I, I want to see more of Javon Wims. I want to see more of Riley Ridley. Um, and, you know, that, that's, that's the bottom line for me. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's just it's, – it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's so many problems with this offense. And, um, you know, it's just crazy because we've, we've defended these guys for so long. And um, it, it, it is what it is at this point. It's not good. <laughs> I think yeah, it's no. what the bottom line there. It's just some of these, and I'm hesitant to say that Trubisky had a good game, quote unquote. Um, he had some good throws and he had some good drives, specifically that touchdown drive. He looked awesome, but he definitely looked better at extending plays. There was a lot more of him on the move, which we know that's when he's best. And when he's, that's where he's the best when you're not asking him to just sit in the pocket. Um, in, he looked decent. He looked like a guy that can win you games. And that's all you ask for, especially with an elite defense. And we'll get to the defense later, but they looked fire up to play for an offense, a team they thought had an offense after the game against the Lions. And, you know, that's that cause effect that we've talked about. But those receivers are not helping him. Um, and I'm all for giving Javon Wims and Riley Ridley a chance because, you know, those guys are hungry and they're just waiting for an opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, going forward, you have no excuses to have Riley Ridley be inactive for the rest of the uh, of the year. I mean, it should, it just can't happen. And Javon Wims has to have an increased role. We we've seen flashes of him. Again, he'll get maybe one or two receptions a game. But you know, every time I see Javon Wims get the ball, he catches it, and it's usually in a in a pretty good situation, like a first down situation. So we have to see start seeing more of that because you know, quite frankly, I think I think uh, Anthony Miller could be on the trade block. I, I very much think that. You know, we we want to talk about a Cam Newton trade I think that's a guy who could be involved in something like that I don't think I don't I really am unsure about Taylor Gabriel's future with the Chicago Bears so you look at your depth and you see Javon Wims and Riley Ridley and you, these are two guys who have a lot of promise you know make it happen now because you don't want to go into 2020 even with high or low hopes no matter where you're at uh, with with guys who haven't had a ton of experience in the league and but this is why I say I mean like a few weeks ago uh, I asked you guys, I was like, what would you guys think about Josh Gordon, you know, like signing him? And everyone called me crazy. But, I mean, I never really thought that this wide receiver core was extremely reliable. I knew that they had a ton of potential and they provided a whole bunch of different options, right? You have the slot guy who's kind of quick and can make catches and traffic, that being Anthony Miller. And then you got the speed guy, Taylor Gabriel. Then you got your wide receiver one, uh, Allen Robinson. But, you know, to this point, I mean, they just haven't showed that they can work as uh, a unit like that. I mean, we know we know what we've seen from Allen Robinson, but from those two guys, Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller, I mean, Taylor Gabriel is a small guy. No matter what way you put it, it's hard to throw a ball uh, to a guy who's 5'7 on the field. But, um, you know, I just, you know, it's definitely going to have to be a position that needs to be reevaluated, not necessarily the draft, but maybe in free agency. Uh, and then and then you just got to elevate Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, elevate their roles and, and see what they can provide and hope that they're the future of the wide receiver core. So I just wanted to ask you guys something. I, it, it, to me, it's mind boggling at this point why Javon Wims doesn't have an, like hasn't had an increased role. Like it, yeah. it's like I mean, you're looking at the receivers. It's like. I mean, we don't have we don't have pro bowlers, you know, we don't have pro bowl receivers other than Allen Robinson. It's not like, you know, uh, they're, they're benching him or, or they're not using him in favor of someone else because, you know, we have in, in like an insane amount of talent right now. It, it's just it's crazy to me. You know, we've been pounding the table for it for two years. Um, and every time Javon Wims, you know, gets targeted, he makes something happen every time he's productive. Every time mm -hmm. he steps onto the field, every time the ball goes to him, he, he comes down with it. It's, I mean, it's just something that 
like that in in and of itself is something that I feel like, you know, I think Nagy's mismanaging this roster. I mean, we have not seen Riley Ridley at all. And I I don't have answers for it. You know, I was talking to my dad um, this weekend and and this past weekend, and he was asking me, he's like, you know, where's Riley Ridley? I was like, dad, if I had an answer, I, I would tell you, but I truly don't. And I feel like no one does. Um, and that's something that I, I want I want Nagy to get asked. Like, why is this not happening? I, I need I need answers. I, I really do. We all want answers. We're all confused about different things, mm-hmm. and especially the quarterback position, especially the offense. But something that's still flying under the radar here, and I don't know if it's because Aaron Donald was a part of it, but the offensive line has oh. taken another step back. They have and granted. I will say that the Rams' defensive front is really, really good. It's yeah. a top 10 unit. Aaron Donald is a top three defensive player in the league. Um, he's right up there with Cleo Mack. And so I will say that's that's something maybe you get a little slack for that. But Mitch Trubisky had about three seconds every time to decide, to make a read and throw the football. That's just not a key for success. And granted, Mitch is a good athlete, and he was able to get extend some plays, get himself a couple more seconds a few times. But when Aaron Donald's barreling down on you and your offensive line can't buy you any time, of course you're not going to have sustained success. And I will say I'll take the brunt of this one. Um, I was the one that advocated for Cody Whitehair going back to center and James Daniel going back to guard. I thought because that was a Pro Bowl unit last year. That was mm-hmm. a, a top unit, and it worked, and it clearly didn't work this time. Cody Whitehair issues with snapping the ball again, yada, yada, yada. I still think you stick with that. Um but it that was just a terrible performance from the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. I, Kevin, real quick, if, if yeah. you don't mind, I, I just I have so much to say about. Yeah, no, really go, quick. go. Um, you want to know why it's flying under the radar, Jake? Do you want to know why? Because the easy thing to do is just bash Mitch Trubisky. There's a narrative, and mm-hmm. people will not get rid of it, and that's all it is. That's all I promise you. Because you know, you watch this Bears team, and there's so much wrong. And the first thing people talk about is Mitch. It's the and first and the only thing people talk about. You know, it, it's it's ridiculous. Um, you know, people are trying to push agendas, narratives, um, and and you know that that's how it is. You know, once once guys come into the league and they're getting bashed, it's it's damn near impossible for for you know that narrative to change. Um, and granted, you know, Mitch isn't great. Like, do do not get me wrong. You guys know how I feel about Mitch. You know, I've I've given him the most slack probably out of anyone on this podcast that you know i i you, you guys remember i'm the villain but um it, it's just it, it's it's hilarious to me i think it's a huge cop out i think there's there's a lot more wrong with this team than than people are, are talking about and and i think that's the bottom line preach i mean that that he hit it right on the head i mean that's absolutely and it's been the tale all year i mean you can place the blame in a ton of places but the one guy who's going to get all of it is Mitchell trubisky and look hell of a job from what he did on Sunday night with that uh, that defensive front barreling in on him seemingly every play. I mean, he was making some decent throws with Aaron Donald in his face. He was doing a, a good enough job escaping the pocket. Uh, I was impressed from that standpoint from Mitchell Trubisky. But, you know, th- the issue is, and this is what I think is another thing that's going unnoticed. Every, like... I was listening to Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels, and what they were saying was Chicago kept single-blocking Aaron Donald. Single-blocking Aaron Donald. That's not something you do. You don't single-block Aaron Donald, especially with a guy like James Daniels or Rashad Cowher. You just you just don't do it. But they, they consistently kept doing it. So to me, again, that's part of a nag issue, but a guy who has gotten zero zero peep about it all is Mark Helfrich. And I think that is the guy who needs to be fired and he should have been fired already. Look, I know Matt Nagy's calling the plays, but it's not like the offensive coordinator is just there to be there. The offensive coordinator has functions. He designs strategy. He helps out with all these things. And he's serving no purpose. So to me, Mark Helfrich is is partially to blame for a lot of this because he just, you know, when there are issues with play calling, you usually would turn to your offensive coordinator. They don't have trust in doing that. And that's something I brought in before is because they, they didn't bring in Mark Helfrich to be a play caller. And I said that because after last year, who would have thought that we would need to even make a switch in play calling? So to me, that that is something that needs to be brought up is Mark Helfrich, what he's doing with that offensive unit, with that strategy. I mean, he, he just needs to be gone and they need to fire somebody who can call plays so Matt Nagy can purely be a head coach. And I know that's pretty far in the future, but you know, anytime you have the 30th, ranked offense in football 31st ranked offense in football you know your offensive coordinator isn't doing anything to help that so uh you gotta fire mark helfrich i never really liked that 
signing from the beginning. But I think it's I think that people have to start understanding that maybe his ineptitude uh, to be a good offensive coordinator is playing into the uh, the poor play on the offense. I think there will be a scapegoat at some point because that's always what happens in these situations. Uh, I think Helfrich is up there as a potential scapegoat. I think Harry Highstand is up there uh, too, but just because of how bad the offensive line has been. But I think uh, a third one is also, I don't know, even know the receiver's name coach or coach's name. So, I mean, I think he might be up there. Maybe your quarterback's coach, uh, I, I will say, though, this is an issue that isn't going to get fixed within the season. It's going to take an offense uh, offseason of work, whether that be new players, new coaches. I mean, they showed pace a couple times, and he seemed to be scribbling in some kind of notebook. And I would hope that those scribbles and those notes were something along the lines of what to do going forward because and you have a lot of question marks that you need to answer. And first among those is, is Matt Nagy the guy? And if he is, well, do you need to give play calling over to someone else? Because it seems like he's folding in the biggest moments. Chris, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask both of you guys a question. So, you know, since Mitchell Trubisky was drafted and Matt Nagy was brought in as the coach, there was this branded synergy between the two, right? You know, they were they were two and two together. They were two peas in a pod. Wherever Matt Nagy goes, Mitchell Trubisky goes, and they'd be this beautiful thing as a tandem, as a duo. Well, now, you know, it doesn't seem like they're much of a duo anymore. I mean, it seems like each week there's more and more disconnects. So what do you think the trust level is between these two guys? I mean, you see in the press conference where Matt Nagy says, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky's the guy going forward if he's healthy, yada, 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 defending him, defending, defending him. But you watch the games and you see that he doesn't allow Mitchell Trubisky to take deep shots. He doesn't design some things that play into Mitchell Trubisky's uh, skill sets. And and then he he does what he did uh, at the end of the Rams game, benching him or whatever you want to call it. It just seems to me that there is a huge, massive disconnect, and that's the last thing that you want to see from your brand-new offensive head coach and, and, and your third-year developing quarterback. So I just want to know, what is your guys' trust level? Uh, what do you think the trust level is between those two guys, and is it a bigger disconnect than before? Um, you know, that was actually going to be my next point um, about how, you know, we always had them go hand-in-hand, Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy. Um, we've talked about it on this podcast before. I mean, I... I think this season showed that Nagy didn't really trust Trubisky. Um, and I feel like that became more obvious as the season has gone on. Um, and, you know, it, it's just uh, at this point, if I were Trubisky, I definitely wouldn't trust Nagy after what he pulled either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that I think the relationship is broken, if I'm being honest. And I don't want to keep being negative and just harping on the team. But, you know, I, I think there there comes a time and point where, you know, people have to speak up because, you know, this whole team culture thing, is just, I mean, what is it? Is there a team culture or is there not? Because words are something, but, you know, it, it, words don't matter if the actions are not matching up with it. So um, I, I think the relationship is broken. Yeah, I want to go to that point of culture for a second because all of last year we heard, oh, this culture is so positive. Everyone believes in one another. We haven't heard that at all, except for sometimes guys saying, oh, you know, we have each other's backs, blah, blah, blah. But you know, especially from Nagy, we haven't really heard anything about the culture. And it seems just very interesting because, you know, is the culture lost or do people not buy in anymore? Or are people not believing in what Nagy's preaching anymore? Or is it something as simple as we're just not playing well and, you know, we're just trying to put our heads down and grind through it? That's something that is very interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it, it's just a mess. I mean, it's it's all just a mess, and and I, I it's just concerning because you know the thing that you have to remember too is Matt Nagy didn't draft Mitchell Trubisky. You know, you know what I mean. I mean that's something that a lot of people kind of bring up, but it, it's true. Matt Nagy, no matter what they say about it, he didn't draft Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe if Matt Nagy was in that draft in 2017, he wouldn't have he would have selected a different guy. I mean, we don't really know, right? But it's just. You know, you need ultimate trust, and, and and that's where I think the biggest issue is. If you don't have trust in the way it's going right now, it seems to me that that is the indication that Mitch Trubisky will not be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears in 2019. No matter what you think about his talent level, no matter if you think he's going to be good in the future, if you think he's done for, you have to have trust between the quarterback and the coach, and it just seems to me that, that Matt Nagy doesn't want that. So I think, you know, again— I have thoughts, my personal thoughts on Mitchell Trubisky, but just the way that I see it, the way that they want to run this team, the way Matt Nagy wants to run this team, 
he needs a different quarterback to run his offense. And that's just the way I see it. I mean, I saw a picture today of uh, the play sheet from last year against the Vikings again, which was around the same time as this. And this year, I mean, we brought this up before. There's exponentially less number of plays on that play sheet. And, you know, again, no matter what you think of Mitchell Trubisky's uh, talent level or what he's going to be, there, there is a massive disconnect, and and I to me, it's not something that can be repaired, especially after something that happened on Sunday night. It cannot be repaired. So, you know, it, it's either got to be new play calls and a, and a new guy leading Mitchell Trubisky in that offense or a new quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I mean, this disconnect is not something that can persist. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking about it with some buddies, and um, he brought up one of my buddies brought up a point that, you know, Matt Nagy, came in to be the head coach um, to, to work with Trubisky. I feel like that was clearly the biggest reason. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my, my friend brought up a good point. He's like, you know, if Mitch Trubisky is not going to be the quarterback next year, I mean, I, you know, he was like, I would have no problem with them both leaving and, and you know, starting mm. over. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to see what you guys had to say about that. Um, and, you know, because it, it, it's just right now, it, I think we all agree that it, it, there's no there's no trust between the two. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to know what, what you guys got to say. Here's my only problem with the thought of a potential rebuild and stripping it down. Um, uh, because that's what, that's what it is. If you get you rid of the quarterback like and well, moving the head coach would be a rebuild. Right. I think that's yeah. what it is. If you get rid of the quarterback and the head coach, that just screams rebuild. And the problem is you're not in an, a position to do that. You don't have no. the time for that. You have this defense. Now you have these guys under contract now you have to make it happen right now. Like you don't have time to wait around and, you know, go through this process of stockpiling picks again, because when are you ever going to draft or not draft? When are you ever going to trade for Cleo Mack again? That's never going to happen. So this is your opportunity and you have to take it right now. So I, I think that one of them goes, I don't think both of them goes because, you know, and this is, I, I've said this on a couple episodes now, but let's say Trubisky goes and you bring in Jake Fromm who looked good against Auburn. I think he looked really great. Um, maybe Nagy is allowed to go back to that bigger playbook and maybe people buy in again. Um, or you get rid of Nagy and you bring in someone who says, I see what we can do with Trubisky. I think I can fix this. But then you have the problem of, well, you have to turn over the coaching staff and you know you got to find someone to replace Pagano and you have to find someone who has to implement a whole new scheme. So in that regard, I think Trubisky is the most likely to go. And by go, I mean I still think they keep him next year and there's some kind of quarterback competition, um, you know, whether that's a Jake Fromm or someone from the draft. A name that we're hearing a lot and over the last few days, Alex Smith. I don't hate it if that guy wants to play football again, and I wouldn't blame him if he doesn't. But if he wants to come back to football, I think you look at bringing him in. He knows the system. He you know, he has a chip on his shoulder. If he does come back of wanting to prove that he can still play, then fine. Maybe, maybe you do all three. Maybe you keep Trubisky, draft someone and bring in Alex Smith or another veteran. I think that's the most likely scenario. I, Cause if you get rid of Nagy, you're creating yeah. a lot of turnover. That'll just take too much time. Absolutely agree. Matt Nagy's not going anywhere. He's just not. I mean, he, you, you win coach of the year in your first year as head coach. You buy yourself at least two more years with the franchise. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are going nowhere. What you mentioned was, will they bring in a quarterback for competition? Yada, yada, yada. To me, it's going to be a free agent or it's going to be in a trade and it's going to be a veteran. It's not going to be a rookie. And, and it, okay, they maybe will draft a rookie, I think, third, maybe fourth round, you know, something like that. But, again, we talk about windows, and I've brought this up before. This team has no time to spare. And I know rookie quarterbacks can have success. You know, Kyle and Murray having a little bit of success this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as rookie quarterbacks winning a Super Bowl and getting to the promised land— it hasn't happened before. So it to me, they're going to go after a guy like maybe it is Alex Smith. But to me, obviously, I'm, I'm really favorable of the whole Cam Newton thing. Um, but Matt Nagy is going to stay as head coach, but he will give up play calling and they will fire Mark Helfrich and get a new play caller for that to happen. And then, you know what? You know, maybe they go in and, and that's the interesting thing. They're going to go into 2020 with Mitch Trubisky and a different quarterback and, you know, have him battle it out. Maybe the battle uh, will feel Mitch Trubisky, make him turn real good, maybe having that new offensive coordinator. But Matt Nagy staying put. There will be a change in the quarterback's room and there will be a change offensive coordinator but Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are not going anywhere yeah um you know I think 
the whole, you know, bringing in a veteran, keeping Trubisky and drafting a QB is definitely what's going to happen. Uh, I think you got to open up. I think, yeah, I think I think they got they're going to open up the options. Um, and you know, just just because, almost like the kicking situation, you got to bring in you know a couple guys and and just see how it plays out because, um, like you guys said, I mean, the defense doesn't have time to wait. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we, we do still have guys like Allen Robinson and, you know, I still want to see David Montgomery, you know, in, in, you know, maybe a new under new play calling, um, and seeing how that works out. Um, so yeah, I, I do think they're going to open up their options at QB. Um, and one question that's very, you know, it's been, I, I, I really don't know what's going to, what's going to happen with Tua. I, I have no yeah. idea how far he's, how far he's going to fall. But if he is available in you know let's say if he's available like in the late first round do you trade up for him yep another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. In, yep. the, in, the, in the late first round? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, I, you, you, the thing for me, the thing for me, the thing for me is you have more skill positions to fill and you have two very valuable second rounders that can be very good players in the future to fill offensive line maybe even receiver maybe even a new cornerback uh, a d lineman uh something like that but you know again the, you know i honestly if i had to make a prediction i think two is going to fall farther than that I, I really i really think he does and maybe he falls to like the second or third round well you know the last time the bears got an alabama player who thought he had a career-ending injury in like the fourth round or fifth round that guy yep. turned out to be Eddie Jackson. Yep. So <laughs> maybe it's the same situation to to a Bailoa. But I don't think they're going to trade up because, again, there, there are more problems to this roster than just the quarterback position. And I think you guys can agree with that. And you really, really need to utilize those second-round picks to fill some of those skills uh, positions. Again, like it's receiver, uh, offensive line, whatever it may be. So I, I don't I don't know how much I would love them doing that. But I do I do uh, like the idea of drafting a quarterback in maybe the third or fourth round to develop – uh, behind that veteran and to compete with Mitch Trubisky in that locker room. I think that's a great idea. So the thing with Tua is he had surgery on his hip. It sounds like everything went well. Um, people were freaking out initially because they thought it was the same as Bo Jackson's injury. Yeah. I'm going to say that right now. Bo Jackson, the problem with his injury was that he didn't know it was that hurt and he tried to keep playing on it and then made it worse. Mm. Tua knew right away, went right into surgery, took care of it immediately, and they said he ex- they expect him to make a full recovery, which I fully believe. Um, and because of that, because of who he is and what he can do, I think he doesn't drop out of the first round. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I don't think I think there's absolutely no way he drops out of the second round. Nobody's passing on him twice, um, maybe even three times if you have two second round picks like the Bears. But if he's there in the second round, especially. You got to take him. You got to take a guy who's won a national championship, who's been to another one, who just makes these dazzling plays and has only gotten better since he was a freshman and won the damn thing. You have to take that. You, there's no way Brian Pace would be crucified for passing on that. And I think Nagy would probably walk out of the building. Granted that he's still in the building, that's assuming, but you know, there's no way that you can let that go and if he's available in, with one of your second round picks. Because that would just be so detrimental to you as an organization. And, you know, Bears fans would riot. I, I think you absolutely take him if you have the chance. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I think I would be shocked if he dropped out of the first round. I mean, you, you're, thinking about, you're thinking about some of those, you know, teams at the back end of the first round um, that, you know, have quarterbacks that are aging. Um, and, you know, that they can afford to, to take him and have him sit out a year. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. I'd, I'd be shocked, you know, with the talent. I mean, he, he clearly would have been the first overall pick. Can we all agree on that? I yeah, mean, him or Burrow. Yeah. Burrow's what, making a good case. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But okay. Let's, let's say top three at worst. 
Yeah. Mean, yes. It's, you know, whether it's the Dolphins, Bengals, and I think, you know, maybe a team even would have traded up for him. Who knows? It's, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a top three pick regardless. So I wouldn't see him dropping out. And I agree with, uh, I, I mean, you guys both bring up great points. I, I think, um, you know, he, he's so talented that it's like, you know, it's just such like it's it's 50 50 on on how um, on like both points, like they, they both work. And I, I see, you know, the, the arguments are, uh, for both sides. So, um, yeah, just something I wanted to, to ask you guys. Yeah, no, that's I mean, a great question because I was thinking of the same thing earlier today, yeah, because yeah. I mean, injuries always make people fall. I just think, yeah. uh, you know, with a talent like that, he's not going to fall very far. Yeah. And it's sad that it's weak. 11 well now week 12 of the NFL season we're talking about the draft isn't it yeah that's not it that's I thought I thought we were out of that man I thought we were done with that I know I know but obviously I I see all these things on Twitter of where we were last year and obviously that's oh man I I wish it was that time again but there's two more things I want to bring up uh about this game number one no more excuses for Eddie Pinheiro bad 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 very disappointing the thing, the thing you look at is if Eddie Pinheiro makes both of those kicks, even if the Rams score that touchdown at the end of the game, you're down 17-13 with two and a half minutes to play. Yep. And you have a chance to go down and win a game. Yep. But you're not even given that opportunity because your kicker can make a 47-yard kick two times. It's, it's, it, we can't escape it. It, it it's, a, it's a lasting issue. It's the Cody Parkey curse, and it's, it's, it's terrible. And he has to be held accountable. Obviously, everyone's going to string to the fact that he had a game-winning 50-yard field goal against the Broncos. Well, he missed a game-winning field goal against the Chargers that would may not even have the Bears in this situation potentially yep. and then he goes out there and he, he nearly loses you the game against the the Los Angeles Rams you get two early first quarter turnovers sure you'd love to turn them into touchdowns but you have to capitalize on those turnovers and get points and you don't get either of them I mean after I after he missed the second field goal I I, I was not confident at all about the Chicago Bears winning that game because I knew that they needed to get six points or three or some type of points early on uh, to stay with the Rams for the the rest of it so it it's bad he has to be held accountable and they're going to give him the rest of the year to figure it out but it, it it is really 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 frustrating that he nearly you know kicked the bears out of that game on sunday night yeah i i just want to say something on this really quick and this is another thing that's getting swept under the rug because we know why i mentioned it earlier because everybody wants to blame mm-hmm. 10 number 10 so i mean it, it's okay so <laughs> People keep telling people. I, I I said I would be okay with Eddie Pinero getting cut, which I I'm completely yeah. okay with it at this point. I it, it wouldn't bother me at all. I mean, he's cost you. I would say he cost Bears this game. He was a big reason oh, for totally. it. That's that's two games that he's cost us already. Mm-hmm. And we you think about that, we would be six and four right now. Um, and you know we'd we'd be in a pretty <laughs> we'd be in an okay position. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, people keep bringing up this argument. They're like, who would you replace him with? Your kicker has one job. If he's not making kicks it how how much worse can it get you keep i mean i think you keep going through kickers until you find someone it's not like i i just i just don't get it i i don't get how that argument is is even valid i don't get how you know when your kicker is not making kicks they have one job so if he's not making kicks he's yeah. not doing his job and that's that's the bottom line for me i i just it's mind-boggling it's mind-boggling how everything you know around the quarterback just i mean no one's talking about it it's it's pathetic um I do have a potential option at kicker if you know if you do decide to move on from Pinero. Once Robbie Gold comes back, Chase McLaughlin has to go somewhere. The 49ers aren't going to keep a backup kicker. Um, you know, former Illinois kicker Chase McLaughlin, Big Ten kicker of the year, represent. But you know, Wait, he had a great game against the Seahawks on Monday night. He, he shanked that he one, shanked. but the hold wasn't great. The, the hold was very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think you look at him. I think you, Elliot Fry is still out there. There's oh, still a couple guys. God. Like you have to explore every opportunity. Chris I, is right. You have one job. You got to look at every avenue again. Um, but I don't think they're going to do that this year because your season's already over. You might as well see if he can get that magic back. See if you know he can be the guy that made you a game winner in Denver. See what happens. So. Uh, again there's going to be no seismic changes within the season yeah yeah he he oh god it's just so frustrating because as much as i want to agree with chris and you guys about like you know just cycling through kickers until one works i mean we've been trying that we did what mike nugent connor barth again cody parkey and we just can't find one so i mean i'm I'm not necessarily opposed to giving him a a shot i mean again he's a rookie 
Uh, he's a first year guy, and and you know maybe with time and more experience, he'll he'll develop a better leg and or or whatever. But you know, it's all like I don't, I don't. At this point, I don't know what I want. I don't know if I want to keep sticking with him like that, or if I want to keep cycling through these veterans who who haven't proved to be uh, solid. So I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, I mean, I think what Matt Nagy said is he confirmed the fact that he it will be Eddie Pinheiro for the rest of the year, and and good for him. He won't have the chance to to ruin the Bears' playoff hopes anymore because they're out of it. So. Um, you know, he can just work on what he needs to work on, I guess, without pressure, really, because, uh, you know, there's, again, there, there's nothing to really, there's no really pressure at this point. So, uh, unfortunate, man, that the Bears kicking will continue, and I, I'm afraid that it's going to last forever. The Cody Parkey curse uh, needs to be broken somehow. Yeah, I, I, I mean, my only thing with the cycling kickers is, I mean... <laughs> You, you've already done it, so I think you just got to keep going until <laughs> you find the guy. And I'm, I'm being 100% serious. It's just, I mean, I, I think I think we we have this mentality where we're like, you know, it's okay to give him a longer leash just because we've dealt with, you know, such bad kickers over the past couple of years. But, I mean, I, I think you keep going until you find your guy. And, and I mean that. I don't care how ridiculous it looks. At this point, I mean, you have nothing to lose. I, I just, um, I, I was looking it up, um, and I believe – I I haven't double checked, but if I remember correctly, um, Cody Parkey missed seven kicks all of last year, um, and uh, Eddie Pinheiro through week twelve has already missed five. So I mean that that's just it's 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 ridiculous. It's it's I don't know, man. Oh no, it's a <laughs> yeah. it's a bad situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tough. And spot. here can I. Can I bring up one more thing? Because I think we'll wrap it up soon. But this is this is something that I think is really important as well. And I tweeted this out on Bears Nation Podcast Twitter. If you guys haven't followed us, follow us on there. We're going to start posting more content, uh, content on that site. But look. The Chicago Bears, I know you guys probably saw this, are driven by Khalil Mack. And I think I think it's just been proven to this point. I mean, he has one sack in his last six games, and through that stretch, they're one and five. You know what I mean? It, it speaks for itself. Yeah. The guy has been non-existent. And again, I brought it up before about how he doesn't get any help from Leonard Floyd. It sucks that he doesn't have Akeem Hicks uh, in the middle, and he's getting triple team. But, you know, I was watching the game. He was getting single blocked by Higby, the tight end of the Rams. And they brought it up. He was He was getting blocked by Higby. Khalil yeah. Mack doesn't get blocked by a backup tight end. It doesn't happen. To me, you know, something seems wrong with him. And I don't know what it is because he doesn't seem to be having any fun. I saw a video that after the Bears got that interception from Roquan, he just kind of ran away from the team's celebration. Something seems wrong. I'm not doubting Khalil Mack's talent. That'd be the most idiotic thing in the world. He's still the second, maybe first best uh, defensive player in the league, him and Aaron Donald, of course. But something about this stretch seems there's something off. And I think we can all clearly see that. And it's not just the statistical standpoint. It's, you know, again, it's him from a personal standpoint. He just seems off. He doesn't seem like he's got that as much fire going into it. And and he doesn't seem like the marquee player that we know he is right now. And and I don't know why. And to me, it's just so weird. But it's like... Again, we were we're driven by Kalomak, and I wanted to do some really cool research about uh, what the Bears have looked like as a team when Khalil Mack has good has a good game or something like that. And I think you'd probably find uh, pretty um, pretty revealing stats. But what do you guys make of that? I mean, it's been really really strange to me this stretch that he's been on. Um, to me, all this does is proves even further how important Akeem Hicks is. I I think yeah you know the, look. He, Khalil Mack, I, I think, I don't think anybody, I don't think he's, he's, you know, he's free from the slander. I think he deserves to get, you know, I, I think he, he needs to be held accountable for sure. Um, but, you know, he's definitely not getting help. And, you know, I, I, this goes back to what we've been, you know, talking about, what the media has been talking about. I mean, some of these defensive players have been balling out and, you know, th- they get back to the sidelines and the offense does nothing. I mean, I feel like that's deflating. That's insanely deflating and and i think you know it's catching up to some of the players so i feel like that that could be something um so i it's just i mean like you said i mean we can't be doubting a guy like khalil mack but i mean he definitely has to play better i i and you know this whole he's getting double triple team it wasn't happening that much in the rams game let me tell you it was not happening because i was definitely paying attention to that um and and like you said you know he was getting single blocked plenty of time so um, that excuse is thrown out the window, I think. 
Yeah, I think that he is definitely seems disinterested, deflated. And when your team is like this, I mean, he was on so many bad Ram Raiders teams. So I don't blame him for, you know, oh my God, is this happening again? Like, please tell me. I thought I found somewhere where we could be good and compete. Um, and I think part of that is not having the other leaders, a.k.a. Akeem Hicks and Danny Trevathan out there. Because Cleo Mack was never the most vocal guy. He just led by example. And Akeem Hicks and yeah. Danny Trevathan were the vocal guys. But, yeah. you know, now Cleo Mack is sort of being looked to in that role. And that's never been his style. So I think he's also a little bit uncomfortable. And, you know, maybe it's something like that. So he needs those guys back badly. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's why you got to get a winner around him again because he's yeah. too good to waste that talent and you need to get him having fun again because that's when he's at his best. Absolutely. I mean, uh, but, I, but, I, but I still think about some of the great defensive players in NFL history. I mean, all these great defensive players, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, they didn't all have surrounding Hall of Famers around them. I mean, some of them did, but, you know, to me, it's like, you know, sometimes you just got to fight through the adversity and you got to deal with what you've got. And we, and then that's that's partially what makes a great player. They make a lot yeah. out of little. And you look at like a guy like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that guy has has dealt with, I mean, as much, I, look, I don't want to comment Aaron Rodgers, but he hasn't had necessarily the greatest receivers or, or Tom Brady hasn't necessarily had the greatest receivers, whoever you want to say. But those guys, those great Hall of Fame players make it work with what they've got. And you want to see that out of Khalil Mack. Again, we, we, we make, I mean, it's not necessarily an excuse. It's legit reason about Khalil Mack about Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd and all that. But sometimes you just want to see them play through the adversity and play through it and show them why they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, why they are that great. And I think to me, that's what, that's what separates those types of players. It's when they can do it on their own and when they can do it without others uh, surrounding them who, who are assisting. So, um, you know, that's... That, that's just my take on it. Uh, I, let's hope he clears it up. You know, I predicted him to have five sacks. Boy, I was wrong. He didn't have any. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, that was another thing. It was, like, against that offensive line, still, like, not even that many pressures in that game, it seemed like, from Khalil. So, hopefully he just yeah. figures it out, gets out of this little rut that he's in, uh, whether it's a confidence thing, whether it's just a, a personal thing that's going on. I don't really know. But he hasn't even spoken to the media uh, about it. So, you know, let's just hope it gets figured out because obviously we're not doubting his talent. We're just kind of hoping that uh, that that's something that um, will get fixed in these next in this in this final stretch of the year. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to say one thing really quick, um, kind of just, you know, ended on a little bit of a positive note. Um, I think the defense had the best had their best game of the year. Um, I think they were phenomenal. Yeah. They when and and look look what happens when they force turnovers. I mean, they set the offense up. You know, people are not talking about you know is this defense regressing? Um, and it, it that whole argument was ridiculous. I think this proved to people that you know the defense is still the defense. And I, I and at at this point, I mean, I I feel absolutely terrible for those guys. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what else to say. I mean, they're they're doing everything in their power to try to keep keep this team in the in the game and even. Uh, you know, like even try to score themselves. I feel like they, they start, you know, start start thinking like, all right, if we don't score, I mean, we're probably screwed. Um, and, and you know, it, it should never be like that. Um, and I, I, I just think something has to get figured out quickly or, you know, some of these guys are going to want out. I, I truly believe that. Um, but huge shout out to the defense. Humongous. Like, I, I just... I'm speechless. I'm speechless about the defense. They, you know, every time people say they're regressing, they they turn up and and you know have have a spectacular performance. So, shout out to the defense. Still a top three unit at worst. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, I I I enjoy watching the defense so much. The defense is still very good, and we saw what happens when they're getting turnovers and yeah, they're they're fired up. You just got to find an offense that could complement them. Yeah, uh, you make something happen. So it, I mean, it sucks. Because... <laughs> go ahead, Kevin. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was. It just sucks because it feels like it's being wasted this season. But you right. just gotta hope for next year. Yeah, yeah. And that and that, that that's totally it. And and we're kind of taking the defense for granted right now. And, we're, and it's so unfortunate because right now it seems like there are people who are upset with the defense yeah. because they're playing yeah. like uh maybe statistically like the eighth best defense in the league right now. But they're, it's because the offense isn't doing anything to help them, not even scoring points. I mean, like this, it's just, it's really just so frustrating and unfortunate. I mean, you're, you're like, think about Rokot Smith. Man goes out here, lays his heart on the field, gets the interception. Eddie Pinier misses the kick. 
oh boy, here, here you got to come back out and do it again. And they give you every single opportunity in that game to win the to, to, to give your team the chance to win the game. And, you know, the other side of the ball just can't capitalize on it. But, I mean, we're really taking the defense for granted because they're still, again, talent-wise, you know, a top three unit. They're playing like a top three unit. But because of the attitude of the offense, it's, you know, you want to blame somebody in the process. And because they give up 17 points, we're blaming them because it wasn't enough. We couldn't hold them to six instead of 17. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just, you know, the, the funny thing is, I mean, I I checked a couple weeks ago and the Bears were given up I think 17.4 mm-hmm. points per game or something like that um and you know we're giving up less than 20 points every single game and you know the defense can barely crack double digits sometimes and it's like I mean there there's not much more to say I think in this in this podcast I on, on this episode I think um I think people are getting the point uh, I just I find it absolutely ridiculous like you said Kevin that people are actually blaming the defense because I did see that a lot on Sunday night and that's a huge reason why I was just like I'm not doing this today I closed the app I'm not I'm not I'm not getting on this on this app today like it's, it, it was just it's insane yeah. it's, it's uh-huh. absolutely insane that is a crazy take to me as well that the the blaming of the defense and saying that they need to be better this defense has still been just as good if not better uh, than last year. Yeah. There aren't a lot of takeaways, but there haven't been as many opportunities and you have, you've been playing better teams comes with the territory of becoming a better team. And you would just have to deal with that. Like you said, Chris, they're allowing less than 20 points a game. That's crazy numbers. That's incredible numbers. So, yeah. you know, you just got to stick with it for now because you know, the defense, you can't count on them for everything. Eventually yeah. the offense does have to do some of the lifting here. Exactly. Exactly. Totally, and and you know at, at this point, I guess you know what, I guess that's how we cap it off. Is that now that the Bears' season is over again, there, there's really no chance to make the playoffs. I mean, they're mathematically not eliminated, but we know that's not going to happen. Uh, what is the silver lining? And this is a question that Jake asked a week, a, a few weeks ago, and and at the time I, I was kind of unsure how to answer it because they were still technically in contention, still a little bit of hope. But now that it's out, you can really start looking into these things. So you know, for me, I guess it would be get the running game going, let let the offensive line get better, uh, see Alex. Bars, see Javon Wims, see Riley Ridley, uh, and give some depth players some opportunities to see what those guys have. Uh, that would be kind of the silver lining for me and, and fire Mark Helfrich. But for you guys, uh, what is that? Now now that we're kind of looking at uh, nothing uh, as far as playoffs, what is silver lining for this team that you can take away once we go into 2020? Um, you know, kind of the same thing. Definitely, I, I want to see Javon Wims and Riley Ridley. That that if that doesn't happen, then I'm not really sure what's going on with this team. Um, and I feel like we already don't know what's going on with this team. But you get my point. Um, and you know, I just honestly, I just I think it's a pride thing. I think you know we're not. You can't tank. Um, you're not going to make the playoffs. So um, I mean, I I would be. I would still be okay with the Bears going like nine and seven, ten and six. I honestly would be just because, you know, it, it's yeah, it's a it, it's a pride thing. I I just you know I don't want to give the Raiders a, a higher pick either, so um, I don't want them to to have the right to brag, um, and and you know that's all that's all there is to it. I mean, just don't go out sad. I think that that's the bottom line. Yeah, for me, it's just continuing to watch the defense do their thing because they're incredible. And just see some progression, see some changes in the offense, see some kind of baby steps forward again. See, don't just lay down. I just want to see some yeah. some changes, some fight from Nagy. Yeah. You know, you know, at least try. That's all I want to see. Yeah, yeah. And 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 one last thing about tanking. This infuriates me. The fact that I have seen people on that app, Twitter, anywhere. Advocating for tanking just it, it enrages me. First of all, if you really knew this team, you knew that that'd be completely out of the question. No matter where they're at, this team still has no quit. They still have that culture in the locker room that will they will never they will never ever lay down and die. And number two, you, you Chris mentioned it. Why would why, it just makes no sense? Sure, you maybe get higher second round picks, but <laughs> you're giving a higher first round pick to the Raiders. I mean, it's it's just so illogical, and and it it just, it just baffles me. I mean, anytime you go out there, you try to win a football game, tanking for you at four and six does absolutely nothing it's ridiculous it's redonkulous it's whatever adjective you want to come up for it it's dumb it's stupid this team's going to go out there and they're going to play no matter whether they win or lose they're going to go out there and they're going to play uh that that's what i know from eddie jackson Tariq 
Cohen and, and Mitch Trubisky, even and the, Allen Robinson, these guys in the locker room, they're going to play. They're never going to quit. Tanking, ridiculous. I don't want to see it anywhere. Yep. Yep. I'm completely with that. Uh, and you know what? Tough episode this week. You really, mm-hmm. these are things that you don't like to talk about. We thought we were done talking about after last, after two years ago. And after last season, we thought we were for, firmly in the green. But, you know, every team slides a little bit and it just, you have to make some changes, make something work, find out what sticks, try to get back to that formula that you had last year. Um, you know, there's definitely changes on the horizon, but we'll be here through all of it for you guys, for ourselves, because I think we need this therapeutic talk every week too, so oh, we yeah. don't just explode. But oh, yeah. as always, guys, thank you for hopping on. Always good to talk to you guys. Thank you to the listeners for sticking with it and still listening to the podcast, even though these are some dark times. But we thank you. We appreciate you all the same. We'll see you later this week with another preview episode of the upcoming matchup against the Giants. Hopefully, should be a win. Giants aren't very good. We'll see. But tune in for that. And until then, bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Welcome.